This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. Welcome to a life in film. I'm Elliot James Langridge. I'm an actor, writer, and apparently a podcaster. And I love film. This is the podcast that we ask our guests from in front and behind the camera, how did they get their foot in the door? What was the key to unlocking their success? What's their story? Previous guests include Wumi Masaku, Jason Fleming, Andrea Riseborough, Sasha Lane, and Dexter Fletcher. Our guest today was plucked out of school for his very first acting role, which was in the fantastic The Selfish Giant. His latest role is in the critically acclaimed debut feature from Molly Manning Walker, How to Have Sex. Our guest today is actor Sean Thomas. It's a life and fail. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. You had a pretty um, solid debut in terms of, of filmmaking. How did you get involved in your first film? Like, what were you? Was it a normal casting process for the Selfish Giant, or, or were you kind of plucked from somewhere? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was plucked from high school. Um, so I grew up in an estate in Bradford, where what you see in the Selfish Giant that was kind of the culture of life where I lived. Um, so I used to spend a lot of time with horses and going on, uh, going scrap metaling and collecting scrap and stuff like that. And I genuinely really uh, had a passion for horses. Um, so that being said, I kind of started like bunking off of school and not going to school and, and spending more time with more time with the horses. Um, so school put in like um, a specialised learning programme where I went into school for like a couple hours a day. And then if I did that and I did all that correctly and I behaved, then I got to go to a riding school, which were local to where uh, my school was. Um, and then film four came to the school looking for a character um, that was knowledgeable in horses and knew about scrap metal and that might have been interested in being a part in the selfish giant. So I had like peers in my school who were kind of like looking after me at the time kind of saying, Sean, this is like, this is really for you. You're going to love it. And I was always kind of in my mind, like, no, I'm not going to be an actor. You've got a drama section in school. Just go get a drama kid or something like that. So I kind of never really aspired to be an actor. Um, then I met with Amy Obard for the audition uh, in, in school. Um, and it went really well. And I would just kind of like just read, read the lines. Like I was like, I'm going to say how I think it should be said, basically. And I think that like caught a few eyes, and then I started doing the chemistry reads with with the with Connor the other lead, um, and then yeah, it just spiraled from there, and we ended up doing the shoot, and then they supported me in getting an agent, and I've worked hard since to get to here. <laughs> what are you doing, Saeed? Can I make some money, Connor? 
Sir, where'd you get that? It's cable. We found it. Take it inside. There you go. Could you have ten quid there? Vandalism. Trespass on the railway. There's some unscrupulous people out there getting kids to do their dirty work. Don't want you going down there no more. Reckon we could get that cable off at Pylon? Probably about 500 quid. Don't even think about it, Arbor. It's too risky. Come on, Mark. I can't do it on my own. You're a kid. I want better for you. You didn't this, did you? Gonna get your head kicked in. You gotta stand up for yourself. You're soft. And you, you've worked with the director a couple of times as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, this will be... My, the, this, I've worked with Clio twice, twice now. Yeah. Wow, well, that's amazing. So you must have felt kind of like this is a bit... It's a bit almost like fate, really. Like, you go in there and you're reading this part and you're like, this is... I can do this. I know this. Yeah, yeah, well, that I think that's what it was because I kind of... I, I understood the script so much um, that put me in such good stead. So I was kind of already, I knew the world, the language mm. and stuff like that. So like not knowing that that were going to get me forward. I was just oblivious to the whole situation, literally to the point where I remember um, being told that Sean Gilder was going to be in it. And I grew up watching Shameless. So I knew him as <laughs> this big, you know, Irish, br uh, quite brutal and violent guy. And I remember going down into um into like a, a meeting office in Bradford Town Centre and I look, appeared through like a little glass window on the door and I looked through and I'm like, oh, wow, it's, it's Paddy Maguire out of Jameless there. I'm, I'm, my head's like a little bit scrambled. And then when I walked into the room, I'm expecting him to speak in a thick Irish accent. And he, <laughs> and he spoke with the most softest, like neutral RP accent and that just completely threw me off. I was like, whoa, this is what actors are capable of. And then, like going on to the set for the first day, uh, first day on set, I can remember um, I was working with Elliot Tittenser, and he was uh, he was also in Shameless, played Carl Gallagher. So again, it yeah, was a Shameless yeah. thing. Again, I was like, oh, these I've seen these on telly type thing. And I remember walking onto the set and seeing all the big thick cables, and me being a young lad at that time, I was like, oh, I'll have copper inside that. And I was still in, I was still in the <laughs> mindset of, of where I was living instead of being in on the movie set and. Uh, it didn't take long to me to fall in into into the love info love loving um loving acting and, and everything that was going on. It was only like a week or two I was questioning what cameras were used for and the sound and what's this used for. And yeah, it become really I've become really obsessed with it. Well, you're a veteran now. You've been doing this <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but it's ten years ago since that film came out. So you yeah, know, you, you've been doing it a fair a fair whack now. Does it it must have been weird to go from, you know, a part that you kind of feel like, oh, I know this part, this is me, I can do this. What was it like going on and doing your next, the, the second role that you played? Was that kind of weird going, oh, this is something a bit different and it's not, you know? Yeah, it was It was very, very weird and different in, in the terms of the temperaments of the characters. The second character I played for Clioy were a very, you know, he had a lot of underlying issues and, and very a lot of emotions churned up inside what he were, he were releasing in the wrong sort of ways. 
Um, so that one again, yeah, it was it was completely different to playing Swift, and it were a lot trickier because I had to really go there with the emotions and really bring on the anger and and the frustration in the scenes, and that's something I don't particularly enjoy doing. But the way Clio directs, she's got a wicked way of you know talking to you and making you subconsciously subconsciously tap into emotions that you've got from inside and what you've experienced yourself. And mm. just speaking with Clio and working closely with Clio, she 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 just molds your mind into being able to perform to whatever's needed for the scene. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Well, I mean, one thing I've noticed, obviously, with the Selfish Giant, and um, I mean, Clio's films are just they feel very real, very believable. And that, that's something that <clears throat> with what I've seen of um, How to Have Sex, I just say to the audience now that I got halfway through it and then I haven't had time to watch the rest, but I'm like on a cliffhanger now, so I'm, I want to know <laughs> what happens. Um, but that, again, that movie, obviously different director, feels very real and the characters feel very grounded and and you you believe it all. And, and this was directed by Molly Manning-Walker. Um, again, a, a female director... Was it what the differences between working with the two ladies? Was it a different process? Because they kind of feel like they're on the same page in terms of the kind of films. Well, I think we've we're working with Clio because because I knew I had all the knowledge and and starting off in the Selfish Giant and and being able to have input and and put my thoughts out. That that's kind of how Clio worked. And Molly was very very similar, very 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 similar. We spent a lot of time speaking about where my character came from and what, what his friends may, may have been like. And I think it's the time that the directors have put into the actors that bring the characters depth and, and more layers. Um, mm. So, yeah, again, Molly Molly worked very, very, very similar to Clio in the sense of spending time with us actors, finding out our opinions, our thoughts, and trying to let us as actors put our own spin on those characters so we felt natural playing those, so it didn't mm. feel too far from from the truth. Um, and again, I think the writing is key to it because the writing's so real too. So when you're reading it, I could literally see these moments in my mind and it's same with Clio's scripts again, like you can read them and, and see the moments. Um, so they're very, they're very similar in, in, in how they work, definitely. Mm. It before, but you're proper beautiful. <laughs> you two are two of my best mates. Gang, gang, gang. No one cares if you're a virgin, it's very chill. So, why are you bringing it up then? Hi, we're gonna play a game. Alright, do us a favour and wake Tara up. And shit yours. <sighs> My mum's life, I'm not joking. I just look proper, yeah?
I was really surprised by this movie actually because when you look at the premise and you think uh, I'm a bit older, obviously a bit older than you, but like I look at the premise, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to appeal to me. But like immediately I was like drawn in and I was like, oh yeah, God, this is taking me back to being that age and all of that, like going out and, and going to somewhere like, with all your mates and having parties is like the life at that age. And I actually had a weird moment watching this where I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not at that age anymore. I'm watching this from a parent's point of view going, no, no, don't do that. Don't, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> you know, the feeling of dread. Um, yeah. But it, it really sucks you in. And the characters, as I said before, are so just engaging. And I mean, Badger as well. Um, your character is just, you kind of, you expect the worst. You're like, oh, this guy's going to be bad news or whatever at the beginning. And then you realise, oh, he's a sweetheart. Do you know what I mean? The character's got a real soft yeah. side. And um, yeah, I just, I've really enjoyed what I've seen of it so far. And and I'm I'm kind of annoyed that I haven't, being able to watch the end but um i will do very soon but in terms of like getting that character and 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 making sure that you know at the beginning it feels like oh it could go either way with him and then you realize i don't want to give away to the audience but you you realize he's a good guy um what was it like playing with that yeah well i think i think that comes from again molly being such a brilliant director and just spending time with us to and having the the time to talk about the characters. Um, and she, she did that with every single character too. I wasn't just with like, you know, the the, the main characters or whatever. Um, but we played on the fact that Badger may have, well, Badger had a younger sister, which um, Paddy mentions in 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 the, in the movie. Um, so for me, that was a part that I couldn't forget about. Like that were a moment I could not forget about. So it was kind of the thought of once the um Paddy mentioned that that you know Badger has a sister and stuff. It kind of sets a trigger off in Badger's mind of hang on a minute, yeah, this is kind of like my sister. Um so throughout the film when there's those intense moments when you know Tara's looking down or she's looking really fed up or something may have happened, I kind of in my mind was playing it as if Badger was looking out for his sister type thing. So it kind of starts off with him coming out on the balcony and, and you know, he, he's got his, his big appearance and the, the blonde hair and the tattoos and he looks quite quite intimidating. Um, but playing with the part that he had, the playing with the fact that he has the younger sister kind of gave him some empathy and sympathy and some heart and, you know, the reminders of being at home and how would he feel if his sister was in this situation. So that's mm. something we always, we, we we carried throughout the film. And I think that's what give, give the edge of Badger being quite, you know, a kind, nice guy. Mm. Mm. No, definitely. That was like, it's, it's really subtly done as well. The way I bodged that question made it sound like it was really obvious and like, <laughs> but you, you've done it, you did it beautifully because you really, at the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I want to ask as well. This is something that I noticed that um, I hope I'm correct in thinking. But um, Molly Manning Walker, who obviously directed this movie, she she's also a cinematographer. So she didn't she she was a cinematographer on Scrapper, which is a movie that came out not too long ago, like earlier this year. Um, so on this movie, she quite hands on with the way the movie looks in terms of like you know because the, the film looks incredible. Um, well, I feel like Molly's super, super talented. You know, she, she's done the, the directing, the writing, and, and she's done cinematography for Charlotte Regan on, on Scrapper, like you said. Um, and I feel like 
her being a cinematographer and having the vision in her mind kind of, yeah, I feel like she had a clear vision in her mind on how she wanted it to look with colours and shots and stuff like that. And I think that's what probably, you know, credits to, to Nico, our DOP as well, but them two working together. I think with Molly coming onto set with the vision already in mind, I think, yeah, she she she, she had it clearly panned out on how, how she wanted it to look and, and how, how people were going to view it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks incredible. And I want to go back and, and ask, you know, obviously when you started and, and you, <laughs> your Selfish Giant was your first movie and you were like, this is, you know, this is where I want to be. This is, I can play this part. This is cool. You were, I guess you were 15, 16 at the time. Like, yeah, 15, yeah. Pretty, well, that must have been, I mean, was it nerve wracking? That sounds pretty <laughs> nerve, especially when you've got all the, you know, as you say, like you've recognised actors from Shameless and you're there on set like, oh, I've, you know, I've I've got to do this now. Like, Was that pretty <laughs> mad? Um, I'm not, thinking back, I don't feel like I was that nervous. I was more excited and happy at the fact that, I wasn't having to go to school and <laughs> I wasn't having to sit in a classroom. I was kind of out, out of that. So that, that's kind of what I were, I were buzzing about. Um, but I don't know. I never really it did at times get tough. And there were moments where I was like, you know, I'm not meant to be here. And I felt like I shouldn't have been there. And, you know, there were, there were moments where it, where it got quite tough. But looking back, like, I feel like I dealt with it pretty well for a young kid who'd never had any aspirations to go onto a film set and just to get kind of thrown into it. Luckily, it were around stuff that I knew, so I was comfortable in that aspect. Mm. Um, but no, I feel like I, I dealt with it pretty good, yeah. Mm. What was Water off a duck's back. Going on from that and then doing, you know, bigger budget things, you obviously you had a, a part in Grimsby um, and also worked with Tim Burton. <laughs> Again, was it still water off a duck's back? Or were you kind yeah, of like, again, oh, wow. by this point? I was only like 17, 18, so it's like yeah. three, three years after I'd done Selfish Giant. Um, and I got, I remember getting the audition for Grimsby, and I found it because I've always been into comedy and, and, and comedy films, stand up comedians. I've always loved like that side of, of the industry. Um, and I remember getting the, the, the audition for Grimsby. And it were it was just the craziest scene ever, and I was just like, "This is mad! Like, I'm gonna have so much fun doing this." And then I did the the scene with my uncle, and he actually just laid on the couch like in a pair of underwear with a bowl of cereal, and I was just like reeling off the lines, just be, being daft. And then I got the recall for it, and it was kind of like, "Whoa!" I, again, I, I never even expected to get the audition, never mind the recall. <laughs> so I went to the recall, and um, there was like, "Oh, you know, you do understand that, you know, you're gonna have to be." be in your underwear for this you might have to wear you know some sort of protection so you can't see your see your yeah um <laughs> and then I was like yeah yeah that's fine that's fine and then I don't know why just spur of the moment in the audition I just I just took my pants down to my boxes and I just stood there in my boxes doing the audition and then and then I got the job and then I got flew out to South Africa and, and stayed out there for a little while and then found out that the part that I was playing was actually meant to be pay, played by John Bradley but I think he, he must have been booked up in another job when he wasn't able to carry it on. So then that opened up the opportunity for me where I, I stepped in and yeah, I had, had, a, had a grand time. I really loved, loved making Grimsby. We were unbelievable. That's why that's wild though. Like choices like that in an audition, like it can go either way, can't it? But yeah. luckily it went your way. Is that, is that something that when you go into an audition, do you try and like think, how can I think outside the box for this? Can I do something maybe that's a bit different to everyone else? 
Well, in my mind, because it, I'm just like, my, my, my thinking was just pretty straightforward. They said that to me. <laughs> Like, you know, you're going to have a like, right, cool, not a problem. You want, you're going to want to see me in my boxes type. And I just, I, it was just like a spur of the moment thing where I didn't even really think, should I, should, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? I was like, right. And yeah, yeah I'm fine with that look. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like <laughs> that. I was just kind of trying to prove a point that, you know, I'm going to say it and I'll, I'll also do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, a mad, mad choice. I don't know if I'd make that choice now, though, as a 26-year-old <laughs> man. Because going back to like when you said to me about, um, you know, what was it like going on to Selfish Giant? I feel like if, I were to get a, a lead role now in 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 you know an independent film or, or any film maybe, um, I feel like I would carry a little bit of nervous and you know the expectation and I feel like as I've grown, like my respect and and my awareness to the industry and and what it takes to get forward is a lot. You know, I feel like now I know all of that stuff. Mm. I'm kind of like I do kind of get nervous in moments and you know I feel like I, I handle things a little bit differently now because I'm not as oblivious or naive to like the industry. Mm. I think sometimes though like that greenness can be like the power that kind of drives you and you can kind of you'll end up getting roles like you say from doing things like that that are just really memorable and people are like oh wow this guy this guy's great like bring him in like that's yeah I love I love stories like that with with auditions and <laughs> and so like going into an audition and and it can be nerve-wracking and and you you know sometimes you overthink it and you can completely blow it by just like overthinking it um but as you say i think it sounds like you've you've struck a good balance because it's like you want to have the respect for the people that you're working with and everything else but you also still want to stand out and be that character and, and um make the decisions that are going to hopefully get you the role now for a quick break are you a writer and director actor costume designer perhaps makeup artist are you interested in camera this is the place to show your journey we want to hear from you how did you start your career? Has it started yet? And perhaps if you're feeling brave, share with us your most embarrassing film-related moment. So slip into our DMs at Life and Film Pod on Instagram. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life and film, where you'll get episodes early and uncut amongst other treats. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a positive rating. Add us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Life in Film Pod, and find our video episodes on YouTube by searching Elliot James Language Life in Film. Essentially, please like and subscribe everything. It makes a huge difference. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you work in the film industry? Are you freelance? Or perhaps you have a nine to five? No matter what you do, mental health affects us all. I struggled early on in my career with the uncertainty of if and when I would ever work again, struggling to pay my bills or simply with anxiety. Don't know about you, but being an actor, it's very important for me to maintain structure in the downtimes. And I found not only exercise, but talking to someone for me was a game changer. And so Life in Film has partnered with BetterHelp to provide you with access to the largest online therapy service in the world. And it can all be done from the comfort of your own home, from a phone, tablet, or laptop. No commute, cutting down travel costs, and most importantly, it's affordable. With over a thousand therapists in the UK, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you need someone to talk to and you're thinking of giving therapy a go, BetterHelp is a great option. And being a listener of the podcast, you get 10% off. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. That's betterhelp.com forward slash life and film. And back to the show. I mean, now that you've been doing this 10 years, is there is there something that you kind of 
really want to aim for that you want to do like um not only in the acting world would you want to try your hand at writing maybe directing getting involved behind as well as like being on the camera oh most definitely um i've said this over and over again like the more the more stories that i see being told and the more scripts that i read it just like it, it just makes me want to write my own stories and tell my own stories from my own experiences growing up um and like even down to a point where I have actually wrote like small scripts and sent them to peers who who, who were happy, credible peers as well, who were, who were more than willing to support me and help me. And you know they're they're definitely on the side of encouraging me to to keep writing and do more. So the thing is, I, what I really want to do is establish myself as an actor first because I don't want to kind of bite off more than I can chew. You know, I've got a, a long way to to go. I've got to wear a few more stripes before I can kind of just step back and, and start doing writing and directing. But down the line, that is most certainly my aim to to go on to, yeah, write, write and direct my own stuff. I'd love to do that. And more so give opportunities, more opportunities to people like myself when I were a kid, places where I live. I'd love to make some, you know, based in my own town where, I can get people from here involved and, you know, maybe give them an opportunity and get them on a path that I got onto. So that, that's something that, 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 yeah, I definitely want to inspire more people where I live. Mm, that's wicked, man. That's wicked. So in terms of, yeah, is there something that you, you know, sh- people always start with short films, but you know, you go on and write a feature or a TV series. Have you got anything in mind or is it, are you kind of like, okay, I'll do that in 10 years time. Or is there anything like brewing that you want to, a story you want to tell i kind of just want to tell so what i've been in my mind i've been thinking about and i've put a little bit of a bit of it on paper is i'm wanting to tell a story about the youth clubs where i grew up um and the power they have and the influence that support workers have on young children and when that's taken away the effects that it can have because i feel like where i live when i were younger there were there weren't a lot to do but there was a lot more than there is to do now um, and I feel like you can see that in the younger generations in what they're getting up to and, you know, the kind of life they're falling into. And I just feel like if we could do more to show how important, you know, youth clubs are and, and I can tell how important they were to me, mm. then, you know, it'd be, it, I'd, I'd be so satisfied in doing that. Um, because, again, like the youth clubs played a big part in, in my audition process in Selfish Giant and, and stuff like that. They were the kind of the people that were, you know, another group of people that were pushing me towards acting mm. and, you know, taking it serious and stuff. And, yeah, I just feel like now the youth clubs, they don't really, I don't know if they're not getting funding or whatever it may be, but, yeah, that's something I'd really want to, really want to mm. tell a story about. That's something as well, like, um, I know that the youth club that I used to go to was a big part of, you know, me wanting to be an actor. And I think... Yeah. It is. It's that support, and it gives options to you know kids and people growing up to be like, oh, I can go down there, and meet you know, just to meet people or whatever. Or if it's a drama club or whatever it is, like, it's such a huge part, and um, it's a shame that that is something that seems to be dying. Yeah, yeah. D- yeah I, 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 I'm not one hundred percent sure because I've done too much research, but from speaking to my nieces and nephews, you know, there's, yeah. there's not a lot, lot going on. Um, and just looking back from when I were a kid, if we didn't have youth clubs, like. I'd, I'd have been getting up to so much so much more um, mischievous behaviour, you know, I'd have been out a lot more messing around and just having a place like that to go and vent and maybe speak to someone or, you know, it, it's, mm. a, it's a good start. Isn't it? And, you know, there's a lot of talk about people like men not speaking and stuff like that. And I feel like one of the big reasons why that is is because they've, they've not got the talking point from the start of their lives and 
the youth club and youth support workers are a good source for that. You know, if, if someone mm. young's having problems and they can, they don't want to tell their parents or their brothers or sisters, they can tell maybe a support worker in a youth club and, you know, then that can set them up for when they're older to know that you are able to talk to people and you can speak your feelings and, and, and so forth and get support. 100%. Well, we're, we're actually sponsored by BetterHelp, which is, um you know, obviously it helps a lot of people that have mental health issues or if they just need to talk to anyone. Um, and it's something that we like to talk about. And obviously just, you know, I can't believe that there is still a stigma about, you know, mental health and young people. And, and for you, like being an actor and doing it for 10 years, I'm sure like there's been times when you've been out of work and you've been like, what am I doing? Do you have any sort of coping mechanisms for, you know, in between those jobs and, and <laughs> finding ways to kind of, you know, get through I'm not saying there's dry spells because you're doing very well, but like I'm sure there's <laughs> a, couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of weeks here or there where, you know, you have to sometimes find something, a hobby or something that helps you kind of get through the, uh, the in-between work. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, yeah, I used to, you know, really struggle with, you know, like dry spells and all, am I, am I going to make it? Am I good enough to make it? You know, do I speak properly? Am I educated enough? Yeah. You have a lot of things going through your mind, especially when you come from a working class background and, you know, you come into a, an industry that, you know, there's a lot of high end people in. Um, So you always kind of felt a little bit in lower in the pecking order type thing. Um, But for me, I just found, I just started uh, reading a bit more and just trying to use my time a little bit more productively in when I had nothing to do. So whether that be read a book or, you know, and I started reading stuff about manifestation and law of attraction and, and that kind of helped me a little bit to a point. And then I realized that exercise was, was the key key for me. Like when I mm. exercise, I feel a million dollars when I don't, I feel, you know, I feel like, I feel like rubbish. So for me, it was, you know, educating myself on other areas, whether it be law of attraction and, and and exercising just to make myself feel better and get myself through them dry spells. So when I'm, when I haven't got, I'm not doing anything work-wise, you know, I'm still keeping myself productive and I'm still like trying to, you know, keep active and, mm. and, and writing to keep the creative juices flowing. So it's just, for me, it's productivity. If, I, if I'm not productive, then, then I've, I'm, yeah, I've got a chance of falling into that trap of feeling down. Mm, yeah I think that um, especially like anything in the industry if you're if you're freelance I think having a structure so that exercise is always a good thing I think yeah. um, also it's very good for you so <laughs> that, that helps um, but yeah it's, it, it is it's one of those things that people don't necessarily talk openly about because when you're when you're promoting something you're talking about uh, you know a product that you've shot maybe a couple of years back and you're talking about the work but I think it's so important to talk to actors about that downtime in between the jobs because yeah. it's not something that we overly emphasize or advertise because we want to make it look like we're working all the time we're busy yeah. and we're successful and everything else um well, even you know, when that... you're busy and successful like you could still it's still you know you're still like allowed to there's still chances that you can be down whether it be yeah. a family fight whatever it may be you know exactly yeah yeah and with social media it's difficult because Mm. you know there's there's a veneer there where people are like yeah it's all great and I'm doing this and that and as you say you can be working you cannot be working and it's it's all a bit like that's all you're seeing you're seeing yeah. other people doing great but the great stuff yeah they're not posting yeah they're not posting the bills on on the 28th <laughs> of every month are they <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but um to kind of you know in, in keeping what we've just been talking about there is there advice that you would give to you know anyone that was coming into the into the industry now like 
maybe kind of you know something that kind of you learned along the way that you could be like well maybe look out for that or any sort of advice um, you'd give to a young actor so for me it's kind of like the failures like you, you're going to be told no 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 and you, you know you're going to do so many auditions and stuff like that so for me it's kind of all the failures but like the more failures you have when you get that success it feels that bit more like you know you've earned it that little bit more so kind of don't get down from being told no you know that that that'd be my main piece of advice um it'd be you know keep strong and 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 don't fall at the at the word no or failure you know keep keep going through that and when you get get the success it'll taste better because the failure simmered for so long so mm. yeah, it's just one of those yeah, it's that um, you know, ninety eight percent of actors are out of work, so you've got to expect to get a no every now yeah, and then. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just the laws of average with that one. Hey, I'm Kevin Bacon. Apparently, every actor is connected to Ke- Kevin Bacon by six degrees. So, basically. You, obviously you didn't know who Kevin Bacon was at first so you won't know what your six degrees of Kevin Bacon is you might be closer you might be you know so right. I, I've, I've got it here anyway so <clears throat> you're connected to Kevin Bacon by you obviously did the movie Grimsby yeah. Annabelle Wallace was in that film I think that's how yeah. you say her name she was in X-Men First Class and Kevin Bacon was in X-Men's first class. So you've actually got, you're pretty <laughs> close. You're three degrees. As if. <laughs> three yeah. Two, actually, two degrees. There's two degrees to Kevin Bacon. So you've done very well there. No way. That's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm proud of that. <laughs> I, I have noticed that um, more and more people are like, who's Kevin Bacon? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that oh, makes me feel old, man. <laughs> Most embarrassing Yeah, so going back to the Grimsby one, because we've been talking about that, it's kind of started my thought process on, on what we're going on in there. So when we were talking about doing the audition and the box shot situation, and they said I'd probably have to wear some skin-coloured, you know, protection for 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 cover, like to cover myself up. Um, and they, they give me this, you know, like these pair of underwear, like pant things, and I put them on. And I was kind of like, because I had to sit on the toilet in the scene, and I was kind of like really... I felt exposed type thing. And yeah, I realised I'd put the pants on back to front. So I, I was like, oh no, I've got it all the wrong way around. I'm like, I need to go, I need to go. So yeah, that 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 were very embarrassing. Very you know, embarrassing. Like, you noticed before like, they started rolling then, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I need to go, I need to go readjust. <laughs> oh, wow. Amazing. Well, this has been great, man. It's really, it's like really nice to talk to you because genuinely watching the movies that you've been in and the parts you've played, like you, you're a lovely guy and like stay oh, humble, nice. man. Cause it's, it's a good look. It's a good look, but um, really, I've really enjoyed your movies. and I, I cannot wait to see the end of this one. Um, I'm gutted that I didn't actually get to watch it. I apologize. I apologize. I feel really <laughs> Make bad. sure you finish watching it. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm gonna literally. I'm gonna watch it. You've now. got everybody fighting for tickets and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I'll watch the rest of it <laughs> later on. It's all right. <laughs> everybody's oh, fighting for tickets mate <laughs> oh no it's funny because i was waiting for the uh, one that i emailed them going oh the, the link isn't working anymore that i was waiting for the link all weekend and i was like come on guys got it this morning literally about an hour and 40 minutes before um we were chatting and i was like 
trying to log into it. The password wasn't working. I was like, ah! and then ended up having an hour. So I was literally watching it as I saw your name pop up. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to like, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that in a minute. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing the end of it, man. And we can, um, I really hope you enjoy it. All the best with the film. Not that you need it. It's going to do, it's going to smash you. it. All Thank right, you mate. so much. We'll take Cheers. care. If the laughing film motherfuckers subscribe and like and follow. Thank you to our guest Sean and thank you to Haley at Ace PR. And as always, thank you to our sponsor, BetterHelp.